Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast, brought to you by Scoop News Group. Washington's new executive order on AI. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders and learn about the latest news and trends across the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Legislators in California are proposing a bill that would designate a unit to be responsible for AI regulations in the state. The bill would create a new office in the California Department of Technology called the Frontier Model Division, tasked with strengthening AI enforcement, such as ensuring mandatory testing for large AI models before they reach users. An online tracker for government website metadata is showing that most state government homepages fail on basic data practices, which could impede compatibility with AI and accessibility. The new project from Luke Fretwell, the CEO of Proud City, and his son Elias uses 13 basic metadata tags that are most commonly used in HTML. Most federal government websites also failed the assessment. Washington State has a new leader for its broadband office. Aaron Wheeler is the new director. Wheeler previously spent more than 18 years in technology with the Suquamish tribal government in the state. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Washington Governor Jay Inslee signed an executive order last month that plots out the state's next 12 months of AI policy work. Bill Kehoe, the state's CIO, will play a central role into many of the state's forays into AI, including its potential uses, the risks it poses, and how it might threaten to undermine equity. Kehoe tells State Scoop's Colin Wood about the order and what it means for the state. I think we did, we, we did use the California model for the executive order. I think um, our executive order or the one that Governor Inslee just issued really focuses on generative AI versus the universe of AI. That's a that's a big distinction. We felt like generative AI was um, the type of AI that was really uh, front and center for us. And so focusing the executive order on generative AI and, and then including the various reports and research around that, I think, uh, distinguishes us from California. Hmm. And I think it focuses us uh, right now in the area that, that he needs to. When you when you try to take two, AI is very, there's lots of forms of AI. And generative AI is the one that our agencies are really interested in and want to know how to, how to use it, how to use it safely. So getting some um, guidelines and some better information uh, about how they could use it and the safety and the biases and everything else I think is, is the focus of this. So it differentiates us that way. Uh, also, I think um, there is a large equity uh, piece here in our uh, executive order. I think that distinguishes our executive order here in Washington from other uh, states. Um, you know, equity is mentioned throughout the executive order in terms of training. Um, and then really looking at the impact of disadvantaged communities, how generative AI um, impacts potentially adversely our, our uh, disadvantaged communities. So I think those components um, differentiate us. Um, from others and you know we didn't there it's not an exact copy but there's also a lot of uh like workforce reports where we're 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 really looking at 
uh, workforce training and education coordinating board um, collaboration, um, which I think is also unique to to us in some ways. So, hmm. as you know, I'm sure that your interest and concerns in generative AI predate the executive order. In fact, I know they do because we've talked about it before then. But what are the risks that you'll be focusing on most in the coming months? The the EO plots out something like a year of of the next policy work around this across a lot of different agencies, including yours, which plays a, a central role. So what are the sort of key risks you'll be looking at in the coming months? High risk generative AI systems. Um, we have to identify those in a report and that's, that's important um, that we inform the agencies around what those high risk generative AI systems are and um, if they want to use them, what are the what are the ramifications of that? Um, you know, the part of what this executive order really does is it generates awareness of risk in a lot of other areas as well, which may not, which the state may not be aware of, state agencies may not be aware of. So maybe they're maybe they have a or high-risk generative AI system that they want to use and they don't know it. Um, and so they're generating more awareness around these areas of risk, I think is, um, is important. And that's, that's covered very thoroughly in terms of the requirements of the report around high-risk systems. I also think we want to look at the bias aspect as well, the risk of bias that are in these systems. And that's a difficult one to determine in some cases. So how can we identify those generative AI systems that have biases? And what are those, what are potentially those biases that we need to consider when we use these, these different systems? Do you have a sense so far of uh, extent to which generative AI is already being used? You, you mentioned just now that the hypothetical possibility that, a, that an agency might be using a high-risk system and not be aware of it. Do you ha do you have a sense informally of of the extent of generative AI's use and and what that landscape looks like as you head into this? We um, we know from um, a work group that we pulled together, I think over thirty or forty agencies that we have representatives from that there is some um, initial experimentation with the concepts going on. Um, we, knew, we know that um, robotic process automation and chatbots are um, being deployed. We know that for some of our customer-facing um, applications and services, that um, there is a desire to use AI um, to better inform uh, our customers around where our service is located or how to get to a particular service. So that's an area that I think is, is we're deploying chatbots. So we, we're deploying some robotic process automation, which is more on the back end and the business process side, um, more intake of forms and, and other, other forms of documentation. And then um, using robotic process automation to streamline the, the data entry and the review of the information. 
So we know that's occurring. Um, but in terms of the more AI, generative AI type uh, use cases, that's a big part of this um, executive orders identifying that. Um, I think there's huge opportunity um, when you're talking about documents, creation, document review, plain talking documents, um, a lot of efficiencies in that area that I know some of our agencies have, have done some experimentation with. Because um, plain talk is a, is a really big initiative in Washington, and I think AI can help us with that. Yeah, what is that? So, you know, if we were to create a form or a document that's going out to the public, um, what we tend to do in government is is create create documents that are hard for some of our communities to understand. And, and I think with the use of AI, if we were to enter those documents into AI as a, per, uh, as a parameter and give it some direction in terms of, hey, we want you to, we want to plain talk this this document and here's here's what we, here are, here's the parameters that we want to um, guide you in terms of spitting back that document some recommendations on how we could better uh, plain talk that for so it's received well and consumed by all our communities. Uh, I think that's a, a potential use of AI that's well within our guidelines, and no copyright infringements, and um, and that we could we could help our uh, our communication with our residents and and interagency as well. So I right. think there's there's huge opportunity there. I know there's been some experimentation with that um, in some of our agencies. I think when you when it comes to the areas of contracting, human resources, um, there's opportunities there and, that our agencies are potentially looking at, um, but there hasn't been a lot of activity there because of course with human resources, you gotta worry about biases, especially if you're uh, looking at resumes and mm. whether or not those resumes should go forward. That's where um, equity um, biases may come into play. So we're being very careful there. But in terms of maybe position descriptions and and um, contract statements of work, things like that, there might be a use for AI to create some efficiencies in those areas. Could you explain in more detail, uh, like some of the moving pieces there, and like what are what are the big challenges in terms of procurement, for example? Well, whenever, if you're using a generative AI to um, spit back some, maybe some important information that's in multiple documents or documents that have a lot of information, if you're using it to say, you know, give me um, the information in this document that contains this, so you're not searching through 100 pages manually, that's, you know, that seems pretty safe. But if you're using it in the um, determination of which contract should move forward and which contract from a particular vendor should not, then you, I think you have to, you, that's where you run into some risks, some equity, some other things that um, you have to be careful. So it's really how you use it within that procurement process. Now, if I'm, if I'm reviewing a, um, 
I'm reviewing contracts and I'm scoring them and I use um, generative AI in that process, I can't ask generative AI to score for me. Like, hey, give me a score in the project management section of this document. But I can certainly say, give me the these key points about project management and where they're covered in this document. Hmm. So that's a you know that's a differentiator, and that's where there's a, there's still a lot of uncertainty and fear, is maybe making sure that how we're using it fits within our guidelines that we published outside of the executive order, and that um, it's it's not a it's it's information that can be uh, spit back more efficiently, but we have to we have to make sure that we're drawing the line in terms of what it does for us and. And then ultimately what we need to gather data for maybe in a more efficient manner and then make our own determination um, to ensure that we're not creating biases. Like, you know, minority and um, women in, in minority um, business, businesses are a big deal. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure that if we use generative AI to score our, our um, vendor bids that we're not excluding them uh, for some reason because of, of an AI bias. Mm -hmm. So those are things I think we're going to have to work out as we um, as we start to incorporate AI. And I think um, what this executive order will do is kind of pull some of these use cases together. And it's it's definitely a technology, just like the cloud and, and other emerging technology that. We're going to have to work as a community to learn together so that we're not approaching this uh, within our agency silos. Mm -hmm. Taking all that on board, are there any use cases that you are bullish on? Aspects of this that you are excited about? I'm excited about all of it. I, I think what we're looking to do is um, try to innovate within each of our divisions teams and services and programs on how we could incorporate generative AI. Uh, for instance, um, our GIS team, uh, our GIS, GIS program. Uh, I was talking to them the other day and I'm saying, how can we, have you explored how AI could be utilized um, to better provide GIS services? Now, they haven't really considered that, but we're, we're going to explore that. And then there's, on the vendor side, the industry side, you know, that's where I think they're, they're actually incorporating AI into their products and services, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to be, we have to understand how they're doing it so that when we start to use their services, uh, we're, there's an awareness there and we can align that to our guidelines. And that is a part of our executive order as well, is some procurement guidelines with our Department of Enterprise Services as well. But I think all of our teams, whether it's GIS, whether it's contracting, whether it's HR, whether it's strategic planning, Andrew and, and communications, there's a, there's a potential huge, huge opportunity if he gets a call from Colin Wood about you know uh, something that happened in Washington 
you know, is he is he going to be able to use generative AI to uh, write a response, or is that will that be a violation of something? So, you know, there's there's opportunities I think throughout our agency, and we're gonna we're gonna have more of this uh, these innovation type days um, that we're gonna have planned for our agency, where we're gonna challenge our teams to uh, do some innovative proof of concepts around how they can incorporate generative AI to create more efficient processes or more better informed customers, whatever it may be. Hmm. If I'm not mixing things up here, it was either this week or last week, Microsoft announced that they were adding generative AI to one of their tools. Um, you know, the details are not, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. But as far as my question goes, the, the exact details are not necessarily important. I, I'm just curious this order tasks you and other agencies with developing these reports and coming up with with uh, some ideas that will eventually build what becomes the state's guidelines for for generative AI. But in the meantime, I mean, a year from now, things could be very different. And, you know, it's it's week by week, like like you referenced and like I just said, these companies are adding these tools to their products that you may or may not already be using. Mm-hmm. How are you dealing with that in the in the interim well i think uh the, gu- the guidelines the interim guidelines that we posted we're going to continue to update those um but it is a, a technology that's going to change just like any other technology and improve uh, and the awareness is going to be greater um and when in, in terms of a, like a microsoft and a co-pilot i think what we're, we're going to do with Microsoft and with any other vendor that we're using that's incorporated the generative AI, we're going to, before we start to utilize it, we're going to understand the capabilities. We're going to understand how they've, uh, how they've done risk analysis and make sure that, you know, the bi- they've, they've looked at biases and other risks that are important to us. Um, we're going to, you know, somebody like Microsoft is going to tell us, be able to tell us, here's the use cases for Copilot that are being used around the country and around the world. That's a huge advantage for us. Um, rather than, you know, starting from scratch to learn from these companies like Microsoft that are global, where they have specific use cases that have been successful in other jurisdictions that actually align with our guidelines. For instance, um, I know a lot of our agencies have started to experiment around code generation, uh, which could be incredibly powerful um, for those applications that were actually coding. And um, and not eliminate um, our developers, but all, but just make them much more efficient and mm-hmm. make sure that we have more, a more consistent code. So I think it's powerful, and I, I think we're going to definitely utilize um, Copilot, but we have to first learn its capabilities, make sure the adequate risk assessments have been done, and then learn from Microsoft and other jurisdictions about specific use cases that we can, that, that's going to accelerate then our use of those products and services. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot online about developers who have begun integrating generative AI into their development process just to, you know, rather than bang out the, the chunks of code that they've probably done a hundred times before, they'll just have the bot do it for them. 
kind of thing and then yeah. they're they're overseeing all of it um for those people uh maybe they won't need training as much but there's a lot of you know then then you have everywhere in between people who are not good with technology at all people who are just you know maybe okay at it etc so how are you viewing uh what training will need to look like across the state I don't know that I have a full answer for that other than it's going to be needed and it's going to have to be specific to the different uh, personas um, in terms of state staff. So there's there's going to have to be specific training for business or business-focused staff, uh, technical staff, and you know, contract staff, HR, I think. The training isn't going to be a generic training. I think it's going to be tailored to the different personas of employees. But that is a huge part of the executive order is to identify the needs. But I think it's similar to what we're doing with our cloud program right now, which we're putting together a platform, a training platform, on transitioning our staff. And we've identified the different personas of staff, uh, moving from more of an on-premise skill set to a cloud skill set. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of education about what generative AI is. And then depending on whether you're in contracts, HR, technology support, business, um, how you could use it in some specific use cases that um, we can identify. I think that's going to benefit everybody if that's part of the training. And I, I would hope that training that we, we we have is more hands-on training versus videos or you know voiceover type trainings or written training i think the more that we can provide specific training to specific job uh, job families and focus them and have that hands-on opportunity i think you know that's going to be important and i think a lot of that will be if we can if we can put together a, a sandbox that our agencies can utilize generative AI in a, in a safe development, proof of concept type environment. I think that's going to be so important um, for Washington, and I know other states have gone down that path as well. And then, um, you know, when when we do the training, uh, we're going to have to have some potential licenses and and systems that were that were uh, approved so the when we, when we train, if we want hands-on training, we, we have the right tools in place and the right contracts in place. Because right now, it's that's that's not anything that exists. Right. And I know Pennsylvania just issued, I think they, they were the first to issue licenses to all their employees mm -hmm. around generative AI, and I, I see that as a trend that's, that's going to continue as well. Bill Kehoe, Chief Information Officer for the State of Washington. You can read more about him and AI at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or rating on the podcast page. That small extra step helps more people like you find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.